And All right, let's see if I remember how to do this. Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We've used science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you, and you too. Todd, you may have seen in our document that I put the word Deputzeramnev. Yes, I see that. It's a very Deputzeramnev. Yeah. I mean, it's a ridiculous word. But backwards, it's even more stupid. <laughs> I like how our uh, <laughs> on our on our grand re-entry into podcasding, it's, you picked a, a visual, visual pun. Uh, what uh, what do you call um, a chicken that's that looks at a head of lettuce? <laughs> I don't know. A chicken sees a salad. Oh my gosh! How about that? We've one? had a we've had a month, <laughs> barely, <Yeah. laughs> barely. Ah, well, welcome back to the Mark and Toddcast, Mark. Hi. It has been quite the last month that we have been been off first for the holidays and then for various reasons that for HIPAA violations and work ethics I cannot speak about, but. Let's just say it's been a it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, you've been uh, COVID adjacent. Uh, I have been COVID adjacent again. So yeah. again, uh, avoiding HIPAA violations. Yeah. But yes, we'll, we'll say we'll say that. But you so, yes, are not sick, and you're doing well. I am not sick. I have uh, I have hives, which I've had for a month that still haven't gone away. So I don't know what that's all about. I'll see if I can. I'll lightly scratch my head and we'll see. I finally picked up last night um, some like off-brand Allegra just to see if that does anything. And I took that yesterday and today. And I think, oh, you can even see it starting on my forehead where I scratch myself. You can see a line already. But it doesn't itch as much with the Allegra stuff. So even though like you can see where I lightly scratch myself wherever i scratch myself on my body usually it remember at the beginning of the pandemic low those many years ago where we all noticed how much we touched our faces oh, yeah. yeah well now imagine that but all like every part of your body like you don't really realize how just you scratch or you itch or you rub up against something until it like leaves a definable welt on your face uh oh where Hold are you on. going no there's a sound that introduced oh now i hear that Oh, now it's gone. There we go. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, (laughs) you lifted up your computer and it looked like one of those cameras like from Requiem for a Dream where you're just like (laughs) running through the hallway. Mounted to my forehead looking at my (laughs) eyes. So I have a list of things that I, and probably you, since we seem to always watch the same things, uh, have been watching this last uh, this last month or so. And there's a series, I forgot to look up the exact series on, um, I believe it's HBO, that they have a, a music series. And one of them is a kind of a retrospective on Alanis Morissette's uh, Jagged Little Pill album. Oh, right which is really, really good. Uh, There's another one about a a producer named Robert Stigwood, who was a huge producer in the 70s and stuff like that, and did uh, the movie Staying Alive with John Travolta, and it kind of focuses on that. And then there's another one on Kenny G. I I saw the title for that. I have not watched that yet. Which normally I would have avoided, but Michael, uh, Colin's older brother, who's 21, of all people, was like, I watched this Kenny G documentary, and it's really good. And I was like, well, that seems impossible <laughs> and i watched it and like now i'm the world's biggest kenny g fan <laughs> it's really it's really interesting because it talks to a bunch of oh now you can see the scratches on my forehead yeah. really bad totally it looks like you you've been wearing a hat 
Or yeah, or yeah. been attacked by Freddy Krueger in some yeah. sort of terrible sequel nightmare. Um, but in that Kitty G documentary, they talk to like jazz aficionados and like people that teach it and like get their opinion on him because he's kind of a an outcast of that community and he's kind of a a joke, you know, kind of a, right. a Rick Roll type joke everywhere else. And and it's just fascinating to because he is like an amazing saxophone player and still he practices like three to four hours a day he'll just like walk around and like do his little riffs or whatever and so it's it's really fascinating and one of the the quotes that they so they talk about how like often we associate kenny g either with being overplayed on the radio or like waiting rooms or like being (laughs) on hold or something like that and how it does calm everyone and one of the people is like is Kenny G a weapon of consent? Because it like just gets us to just like all go along with whatever is happening. We'll get through it now that Kenny oh G gosh. is here. That's and in in China, every day at closing time, they play like a specific Kenny G song, and that is the national. Everybody is coming home, you know, closing work oh for the day God. and heading home. And it just like is broadcast over all the speakers. And like, it's so fascinating. So I, yeah, totally recommend. And again, I can't remember the, the exact, um, uh, I'll look it up here once, once somebody besides me st- uh, stops talking, but I believe it's on, it's on HBO and it's, it's a, it's a series about music that is the same one that Atlantis is, is from. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw the title for that and I will definitely add it to my, uh, to my watch list. Yeah. I saw your, your collection of 16 pages of, <laughs> oh, it- <laughs> of, news articles and it and, was 33 it was before perfect, i cut it perfect. before i cut it down our poor listener um who <laughs> <laughs> will oh music box is the series on okay. hbo and it's called listening to kenny g awesome so yeah do check it out uh impeachment is another thing that i watched and that was um there's a series called american crime story that is on ABC or something like that. And the first season was the OJ, their um, dramatic reenactments or whatever. And so it was um, OJ. And then I forget what last last year was about, but this year was about the the Clinton, the Clinton impeachment and the uh-huh. Monica Lewinsky scandal. Oh, that right, right, right. Pro- yes. It's produced uh, partially by Monica Lewinsky. Yes. And, and I don't watch a lot of scripted shows, but my mom and dad uh, went to see Monica speak in Yakima because she's oh, wow. on a tour or whatever. Yeah. And they aren't you know, terribly interested in that in general or whatever, but they were like, oh, I bet you that would be interesting. And they they went and like they if you've ever seen uh, you can watch them on YouTube, Monica giving her TED talk and a couple. She started becoming a public speaker and anti bullying advocate in like 2015 is kind of when she she came uh, back into, I guess, mainstream society in that way. But um, the impeachment thing is a scripted show, like I said, but it is really, really good. And the thing that really blew me away is. um the the makeup that they do on this show, which sounds like a weird thing about that, but of course it's like Bill Clinton and Linda Tripp yeah. blast from the past and like all of these people and uh, and of course Monica Lewinsky. And uh, do you know, um, and it's a, a, a American Crime Story is kind of an anthology show. So a lot of the people, it's kind of like American Horror Story where the same actors play different characters each season because they're kind of standalone seasons so sarah paulson who i believe yep. was on american horror story and others. yes yep. yeah yeah she plays linda trip oh wow. and linda trip is kind of a a, a uh, square woman like in a body shape kind of a square you yep. know power suit just kind of lumbering and sarah paulson plays her and it is in incredible wow not just her physical makeup look but the way she walks the way she talks it is unbelievable and clive owen who is a british actor that kind of looks like um like a second tier james bond he's been in a lot of stuff but never has really popped out in anything he plays bill clinton 
And ah. I saw his name for the first two episodes in the credits. And I was like, oh, well, maybe they're still going to get to Clive Owen because I know who Clive Owen is. I was like, maybe he's going to be, you know, in episode three or four or whatever. No, he's Bill Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I couldn't, like all of the people in it are just, just amazing. Um, so that's definitely worth worth checking out. You told me about the Unabomber, didn't you? Yeah, the Unabomber yeah. doc. So why don't you talk about that one? Yeah. So the un and I haven't seen it since you have, um, and and uh, so I don't remember a lot of the the details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, they have um, a documentary that's that's kind of rooted in pieces of a uh, actual interview with him, and they kind of fill in the gaps through his upbringing and and education and then uh you know the parallel with the crime story of hunting down who this unabomber was and the terror that it uh infused the nation with and and uh, and all these things i i just thought it was riveting and uh really well done yeah yeah that one is is really good too and just to try to figure out how to catch someone who sends like one bomb sometimes a year and then there's two years on there's like really nothing even watching it i was like i don't even know how he's choosing the targets of of these bomb like and so it's it's really fascinating yeah from that standpoint of like how do you catch someone who is doing these things and then right. what goes into the making of the unabomber and and was was there overlap with the anthrax mailings i don't think so because the anthrax mailings were like in 2002 that was like post 9 11 okay. yeah. and i believe the unipiper the unipiper <laughs> i also learned that it's not unibomber you and i it's una bomber yeah. for um universities and airplanes which is like his first two targets yeah. so university in and then airplane for unibomber so yeah that's really fascinating and like to read i never i kind of was always aware of the unibomber growing up because you know it, he wasn't caught until the late 90s um and i didn't i had never really looked into his manifesto or like what was behind him but they like read a bunch of that on the documentary and i was like you know, the Unabomber is fairly reasonable because he was all, our technology will get out of control. It will consume us and turn us against each other and like be the bane of everyone's existence or whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh, am I a Unabomber? Like, right. Why am I agreeing with the Unabomber? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that one's on Netflix. That one's really good. Um, be I just wanted to yeah, step yeah. back to the Lewinsky thing. There's oh, also yeah, yeah. she she helped produce another show called 15 Minutes of Shame. Uh, yes. Have you seen that as well? Yes. You told me about that. Yeah. That's three three down on the list I have there. Oh, oh, I, oh. Did, I didn't put it in order. <laughs> okay. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, she is able to, uh, like, uh, arguably she's the most the the biggest recipient of bullying in modern ever times, yeah right and um and how she frames that and talks about how our culture has shifted to focus on bullying and the the energy around that and and why and how and and uh antidotes to you know keep that you know all, all the things i thought that 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 documentary was fascinating and she's been very busy with that yeah. and the the uh Lewinsky or the the impeachment crime story um uh shows uh, yeah really I mean even watching the impeachment impeachment one because it 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 kind of it goes back and forth a little bit but it starts right as the FBI is arresting her after Linda Tripp kind of betrays her by recording her conversations and stuff like that and a lot of those details of course I just kind of forgot um and how salacious but that's right when the internet was breaking that's what broke the drudge report that's yep. what literally broke the entire internet like we say that now but like it literally broke the internet because they just immediately put the star report online yep. for everyone to see it all like the president and congress were seeing it at the same time as everyone else was seeing it and just what she went through and like how 
I was complicit in it, like in the same way that I was complicit in what we did to Britney Spears and, and those people. And just to, I mean, to see someone's life at the age of like 23 be completely taken away from them forever. Right. Like not just a, Oh, this is a bad month or a bad year. It's like forever. My life is over. Totally. Yeah. And uh, she goes not just into the Lewinsky scandal and, and all of that, and her her own story, but uh, it's produced by uh, co-created by the guy that created the show Catfish or the movie documentary. Oh, Catfish. right, right, right. And uh, they go into other people who have been the target of extreme social shame, uh, like the guy a year ago who bought a bunch of hand sanitizer and uh, had it for sale on on Amazon and all of a sudden the world just pounced on him and and it goes kind of behind the scenes and tells his side of the story and he's like yeah well maybe I shouldn't have done that but let me show you what the the whole truth is yeah and and yeah you go oh I feel crappy <laughs> you know yeah for for that but uh really highly recommended show yeah there was there's one quote and that's from the 15 minutes of shame documentary which i believe is also on netflix and they were talking to some psychologists and stuff like that and also looking into just the human history of shaming which has been around with us forever i mean that's coming from the church culture i know that's how lots of those organizations operate right totally (laughs) and there's a there's a quote in there we we enjoy watching other people fail more than we do winning ourselves and not just like enjoy it. Like physiologically what happens in our bodies gives us a greater reward sensation and dopamine and serotonin than if we just won ourselves is watching people we don't like fail, which is such a powerful and sobering thing. But yeah. So um, I'll kind of blow through some of these other ones, but um, uh, podcasts, uh, there's two podcast series that I listen to. One of them is from uh, Turner Classic Movies called The Plot Thickens. And that's another one where it's kind of different every season. And there's a really, the newest season, which I believe is season three, uh, The Plot Thickens is about uh, Lucille Ball. Oh, wow. And it's super fascinating. It's like an eight or nine part series, just list, uh, kind of following her career and her life. And she was just another person that's just incredible. I Love Lucy didn't even start until she was in her 40s. Right, right. And 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 and, and like how how um how innovative and groundbreaking that show was because it's the first show that does three camera setups and puts light in the ceiling and like gives us the sitcom format and of right. course that was done to like solve the problems of like well how do we do this, you know, and they were the first ones to put it on tape so that when you saw they could do reruns and still have yeah. that quality because before that it was um i forget what it's called where you just aim the camera at, at the tv the screen, and that's yeah. it's like kines- and that's used kinescope or kinescope yeah 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 um so yeah that one's fascinating it's called the plot thickens and it's lucille ball or something like that uh, and then there's another one i just finished yesterday called um it's from iheart radio of all places and it's called Haleywood, H-A-I-L-E-Y, Wood, like Hollywood, but Haleywood. And it is the story of uh, Bruce Willis okay. buying up an Idaho town bit by bit to make his own like literal private, you know, own town. And, and it's like the people's responses to this is some of the things that he did that was like all sketchy and dirty and like... <laughs> And it's just a super fascinating story about like a big Hollywood star moving into this literal like thousand people town or whatever. And like, it's, yes, that one's super fascinating called Haley, Haleywood. So, and there's one more um, that I'll, that I'll point out. And it's also in Netflix, I believe called Disclosure, which is kind of a dumb name, Um, but it is, um, a documentary about and it's it's mostly talking heads and it's about the the hollywood and mainstream kind of culture um how trans people have been portrayed in the media since Mm. like movie not even before movies began and how and and it like i said laverne cox i believe is is the 
one of the producers and she's one of the main talking heads. She's um, one of the actresses from Oranges is the, is the new bat, oh, right, the right, new right. black. Yep. <clears throat> but just a really fascinating look at, and it's not super political. It's not anything. It's just, this is how trans people have been portrayed in the media and let, we're talking about that. And it's a bunch of people and just really one of those in kind of going back to um, even Kenny G and Monica Lewinsky and all that, how like we as a culture just, do things because that's what we do like and they just show the history of like well every time a trans person was shown in media they were either a murderer or to like literally just be laughed their existence to right. be laughed at right and so just seeing how all of that like just influences us as we grow up whether we realize it or not and it was just a really like i said it's surprisingly not political it is just like here is my story. Here's what I went through when I saw this or whatever. And it just is a really neat humanizing portrait of a community that I'm like, that I'm still learning about and that I need to have humanity yeah. put into me to, and like, especially since it undoubtedly will become like a huge talking point for however many elections we right. go forward through or whatever, like, whether or not you walk away feeling any different than you walked in, the important thing is like, we need to humanize people we are using politically to either do or not do something. We were, and that's this, this topic is really interesting because last night we watched the finale for Dexter, uh, uh, new blood okay. and, uh, uh, upon the completion and we're, we're discussing, uh, me and Nick are, uh, and he said to me, he's like, you know, what if they were to remake this with him being gay or trans, you know, like so many murderers are, and I'm like, wait, what, what'd you say? Like, and the, the, the thought was, or, or so many psychopaths are, uh, so gay and trans and i'm like well yeah that's because of of movies and media in, in silence of the lambs and, and all the you know like all these movies if if they're misunderstood or creepy or terrifying creature they usually make them gay or trans uh to to make it more ominous or try to drive well well they did it because they had gender dysphoria or, or they yeah, did it because yeah. they they're crazy. Yeah, they're crazy. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, and I was, <laughs> so it, it was a little moment of discussion in our gay household about yeah. how, how we've accepted that narrative of. Yeah. And that's, of, yeah, that's what that yeah. disclosure, what is totally wow, about is wow. what this narrative has been since the beginning of time. And so, yeah, that's super worth watching too. Um, two last things before we dive into my 900 pages of news. Um, you know how like when you look back a hundred years and like they're like, this is what the future will be. And like, there's that one that's going around now, right now where everybody has their own personal like um, blimp or balloon that's like helping them walk across a river or whatever. And like everybody is like transported through the air or whatever. And that's all because like at that time, transportation and cars and, and mm -hmm. cross country trains or whatever, that's kind of what their focus was. And I've noticed that now whenever like we currently are like in the future, it will be like this. It's mostly based around being delivered consumable goods. Like oh. everything is about drone delivery. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not going to happen. Drones are incredibly loud irritating and easy to just snag out of the sky like we'll have some of it i'm sure but like this whole thing of like millions of drones going to everyone's houses with one box is like we're gonna look back and be like what were we thinking that's such a silly thing we have mailboxes like it can take two days to get here like we're we're okay with that <laughs> I don't totally the the biggest uh the biggest one that just seems weird the 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 idea of is um Amazon's concept of there will be warehouse blimps <laughs> that have ships that just drop you know food to you in a drone basically so you know there's the Portland blimp 
overhead yeah. and it's got all the things in it and then uh, I order the you know I I want the you know the etch -a -sketch and the Big Mac <laughs> and I click it and like two minutes later it's at my door because it's been jettisoned uh, you know <laughs> at at the rate of of uh just terminal velocity towards me <laughs> and and then the drone kicks in at the last second to slow the speed down to my doorstep <laughs> fires that one rocket thing that right that writes the thing <laughs> totally and then that's in my door uh anyway uh, so, yeah yeah uh <laughs> LED strips are going to be so when we look back and like about the 80s, they're like everything looked like this LED strips up in people's houses and behind desk. That's going to be the aesthetic people use to like remember how goofy the 20s were. So that and my very last thing is, you know how I always we always everyone like looks back to the beginning of movies and there's like there was the one where the train's pulling into the station and everybody who was watching it freaked out and ran away and how silly and naive and like i feel like we owe those people an apology because if you've ever watched people in a vr headset just like run straight into a wall or freak out or jump or whatever like that's the same thing <laughs> like so i guess they're not stupid and naive. That no. was just <laughs> mind blowing. Hadn't, hadn't so. yet experienced it. Yes. yes. Well, ah. well, All right. Are we ready to yeah, dive, dive into, into some news? So yes, it was exciting yesterday as I was compiling these to see what 30, 33 open tabs I've had on my computer for the last two months. So um, we'll start out with Oregon-based Dark Horse Comics is sold to a Swedish video game company. They said operations at Dark Horse would continue as usual, led by found, uh, and that there would be no plans to restructure the business. Um, this company, let's see, Richardson and Chief Operating Officer Neil Hankerson, who are the current owners, own 20% of the company's shares, and the rest belong to a Chinese investor. Um, which I don't know, they must own the Swedish video game company in in Hong Kong. And they Hong Kong acquired a majority stake of Dark Horse in 2018. So Dark Horse was founded in 1986 and are famous for things like comic books, The Mask, Time Cop, Father's Day, and Ghost. Uh, and they do uh, a line of licensed titles from like Star Wars to Avatar to Stranger Things and The Witcher. It re regularly ranks among the five the top five comic publishers by market share competing with uh people like marvel and dc so yes portland portland strong um strong road dark horse yeah. is going to be sold yeah, they've so. been, a, been a mainstay here uh yeah yeah, yeah. so I, so they say that no plans to restructure the business so uh hopefully they'll they'll keep some of the business here in portland have you yeah. been watching do you uh see um boba fett by any chance? I did. I watched the second episode last night. I, I love that show. Right. Yeah, I've been enjoying it. I'm hoping it kind of starts to differentiate itself from the Mandalorian, Mandalorian. Yeah, a little bit more. It's very Mandalorian. But, but yeah, it's 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 good. So. It's also made by John Favreau and you know, yeah, same, yeah, same guys. Same, yeah, cool. Go ahead. Um, this one was accompanied by a video that I did not watch. So, and then I realized that there's almost no information in this article. So it's called living brain cells in a dish can learn to play pong, uh, when they're placed in what researchers describe as a quote, virtual game world, uh, quote, we think it's fair to call them cyborg brain says Brett Kagan, chief science officer of cortical labs who yeah. leads the research. Many teams around the world have been studying networks of neurons and dishes, often growing them into brain-like organoids. Yep. Uh, so I did watch the video, and it's, oh, nice. Yeah, and it's it's fascinating, and and really starts to get on that question of like, what is life, and what is Ugh. consciousness, and uh, why are we playing God? Uh, you know, <laughs> like, uh, I mean, it's just neurons are very efficient at learning information and uh creating pathways when they have a positive response of something yeah and so using those uh myelated pathways of neurons they're able to do some simple tasks like pong and uh like pong yeah well, and just goes to show like how much is going on in our minds, like without us know, like 
I'm playing I, Bong I, right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, I'll, I'll give you a clap for that. That's nice. <laughs> Um, well, cool. So, uh, there's a business owner who paid an ex worker with 91,000 pennies and that's retaliations. The fed claims in a lawsuit. So after former employee of an okay, Walker auto works filed a complaint with state labor regulators in 2021, accusing the owner of failing to issue his final paycheck of $915. He got an unwelcome surprise, a mountain of 91,000 pennies covered in oil dumped in his driveway and yeah so, they, so that story this story came out a couple months or however yeah. long ago this was so this is kind of a follow-up to yeah so they that. Uh, so the the labor department determined that the uh they had illegally deprived other workers of the shop of the overtime pay as well as failing to keep proper pay and records so so um and their response was, well, there were exactly 100,003 pennies, 750 <laughs> dimes, two quarters, a nickel, and his pay stub in the pile. That is a lot more than what we were legally obligated to give him. Why so much more? Well, we figured that he would have enough intelligence to just have the pennies counted and exchanged. <laughs> Says giant douchebag <laughs> owner of OK Walker Auto Works <laughs> in Peachtree, Georgia. Seriously. So yeah, and I cut out even more of that article and it's just like that guy, just the owner of that company just seems like a tremendous, in tremendous need of some personal growth. Say. <laughs> well, Mark, your favorite app, TikTok. I, it is my favorite app and I have seen a couple <laughs> clips of her on, on TikTok. So yes, a TikTok, a TikTok star who sell... Apologies for the next several minutes. Mom. TikTok star who sells her farts in jars has now started selling NFTs. So this um, a person who is also on uh, 90 Day Fiance, uh, her last name is Motto. I cut out her first name, which I guess I didn't care about. Stephanie Motto, who refers to herself as Mark, a fartrepreneur. Fart <laughs> started farting in jars and selling them online in November and documented the food she was eating on TikTok. Uh, Motto would bottle up her farts, oh, I hate that word, and sell them for as much as $1,000 a jar, reportedly taking in roughly $50,000 per week. Oh, update to the story, TikTok star hospitalized after trying to fart too much. Well, she was making $200,000 a month. Uh, yeah, so you know. she she has now announced her retirement from selling farts after she was rushed to the hospital. Quote, I thought I was having a stroke and these were my final moments. I was overdoing it. To keep up with demand, she had switched to a high fiber diet of beans, eggs, and protein shakes. Well, it was quite hard to breathe. And every time I tried to breathe, I'd feel a pinching sensation around my heart. And that, of course, made my anxiety escalate. I called my friend and asked if they would come drive me to the hospital because I thought I was having a heart attack. When Miss Motto arrived at the hospital, she was relieved to learn that she was not having a heart attack or stroke. Quote, it was made clear that what I was experiencing wasn't a stroke or heart attack, but very intense gas pains. Well, I was advised. Attack, if you will. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I am shocked this article never said fart attack. Wow. Come on, people. It's right there for you. <laughs> so sadly, she has ended that business, but she is pursuing the world of NFTs where she sells cartoon images of her fart jars. So she has uh, launched a website selling 5,000 fart jar NFTs for 0.05 Ether, which would be about $191. She says, quote, I think there's a lot of jealousy and a lot of anti-feminism. Everyone is a feminist until a woman starts farting in a jar and selling it. That's true. I mean, she has a Truer point. words. Yes. Margaret, Margaret Sanger herself, I believe, was quoted to have said the same thing. As Andrea Dworkin once said, everyone is a feminist until a woman starts farting in jars. Awesome. Oh my goodness. So these, 
I, I skimmed over these next yes, two stories. Yes, two, two that go together. Yeah. Uh, so Tiva found liable for fueling opioid addiction in New York. So the Israeli pharmaceutical company says it will appeal. A jury in New York State found drug maker Tiva Pharmaceuticals liable for creating a public nuisance in the state and two Long Island count- counties uh, amid the n- national opioid epidemic. The state of New York and populous Nas- Nassau and uh, Suffolk counties have also sued a number of pharmaceutical manufacturers, distributors, and pharmacies, and the cases were consolidated for trial. Most companies reached settlements to resolve the claims against them, leaving Tiva and a handful of subsidiaries, including drug distributor Anda Inc., as defendants. Uh, and then the next one talks talks about the judge tosses out the Sackler Shield settlement. Yes, we talked days. about this a while ago. So a federal judge overturned a roughly $4.5 billion settlement that legally shielded members of the Sackler family who stand accused of helping fuel the U.S. opioid epi- epidemic, a decision that threatened to upend the bankruptcy reorganization of their company, OxyContin uh, maker, OxyContin maker Purdue Pharma. <clears throat> The Sacklers had insisted on the legal shields known as non-debtor releases because they protect parties that have not filed for bankruptcy themselves in exchange for contributing $4.5 billion towards resolving widespread opioid litigation. Why don't we deal with the problem and just keep them (laughs) off? Anyway, uh, uh, Purdue filed for bankruptcy in 2019 in the face of 3,000 lawsuits accusing the company and the Sackler family members of contributing to a public, a public health crisis that has claimed the lives of half a million people since 1999. The litigation accused the company and family members of aggressively marketing OxyContin while downplaying its addiction and overdose risk. And um, over the holidays, I got to once again, experience the direct result of uh, drugs like OxyContin as uh, we have a family member, uh, Nick's uh, brother, who is uh, incredibly addicted and has been mm. to prison and uh, is continuing to use. And he and his girlfriend are um, presumably, uh, you know, they are engaging in illegal activities like stealing to try and fuel the stuff. And it, it was just chaotic and crazy and incredibly sad and all absolutely preventable and a, a direct result of uh, billionaire's greed. Yeah. Uh, and it's shocking that we're still talking about this as a, as a thing. Like, uh, yeah. it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, it was really fascinating when I was in uh, treatment for uh, alcohol, how all of us old people were in treatment for like alcohol, but all the younger people in their 20s were all opioids and pills and stuff like that. It was it was really fascinating to see that generational difference Mm -hmm. in like who's doing what and like those are what's in mom and dad's medicine cabinets now is is oxy and not like you're not sneaking their vodka you're sneaking their pills and stuff like that so but yeah i was happy to see that they tossed the shield because that was just an egregious miscarriage of humanity to give something like that to those people so well in other dystopian news china develops an ai prosecutor that can identify quote dissent and press char- charges for common crimes with 97% accuracy. The, d- <laughs> the dystopian machine can identify um, uh, dissent against the state and suggest sentences for supposed criminals removing people from the prosecution process. There have already, of course, been fears the system could be weaponized by the Chinese Communist Party with human protection or prosecutors concerned about who would take responsibility for the AI's decision. The tool can file a charge based on a verbal description of the case and was built and tested by the Shanghai Pudong People's Procuratoriate. Procuratoriate? Sure. All right. Which apparently is a word. 
Uh, the biggest and busiest district in China, the AI would allow human processors to ease their workload and allow them to only focus on the more complex cases. The system can run on a standard desktop computer and would press charges based on 1,000 traits from the human-generated case description text. It was trained using 17,000 real-life cases and is able to identify and press charges for the most eight common crimes in Shanghai. Those include, quote, provoking trouble, which is a term used to stifle dissent in China, uh, credit card fraud, gambling crimes, dangerous driving, theft fraud, and intention, intentional injury and obstructing official duties. So, wow. Oh, speaking of the future, holy cow, look at my... Look at my video. Oh my gosh, I'm in the matrix. <laughs> you are in the matrix. It looks it looks like uh uh you look like you're in a recent Star Trek movie. <laughs> yes, I'm directed right now by JJ Abrams. <laughs> a great green lens flare. Uh, oh that's I bet you that green is it's must be hitting that awesome huge prism that Mark or that Brian and Sarah gave me that one year that I always have in the window. Totally. Oh, funny. Now, now it's turning a little yellow. So, it's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> it's like the the Ark of the Covenant is opening behind me. <laughs> well, on to some good news. Uh, yes. Movie Madness celebrates 30 years with a book collecting its unique history. It includes an essay from director Todd Haynes and a fond memory piece about the store's now defunct adult movie room. Hollywood Theater's community engagement director, Allison Hallett, who has a background in journalism, decided to plan and edit a book about the storied shop. Movie Madness, 30 Years Behind the Counter at Portland's Iconic Video Store is the title of the book and is immediately <laughs> eye-catching for its list of contributors. Local director Todd Haynes wrote an essay for the collection and the store's general manager, Matt Parnell, penned a memorial piece about the shop's now-defunct adult movie room. There's an interview with the store's founder, Mike Clark, and a DVD confidential declassified article, which describes how some of the shop's less than legitimate titles <laughs> made their way onto the shelves. You'll also find transcribed oral histories from both clerks and customers ruminating on the shop and what it's meant to them. Mail orders of the books won't be delivered until mid-January, but limited copies can be found at Powell's, Movie Madness, or the book's co-publishing publishers floating world comics yeah wow 30 years i'm glad that they were i'm glad that they were able to survive the last yeah. uh two years of all these shutdowns so that's that's super great Ooh, it's turning my light is turning orange so i think you're you're transit transiting through the rainbow colors i think so and i think that's gets... from the movement of the sun and not yeah, the totally not the movement of the oh now we're in our reds <laughs> totally all right. Well, some other good news. A new injection to prevent HIV rather than pills is a game changer. The drug called Ap Apritude, but also known as Cabotegrevar, is an injection that has proven to be significantly more effective at reducing the risk of sexually acquired HIV. Before the FDA approval on Monday, the more common way to take pre-exposure prophylaxis, commonly known as PrEP, was through a daily pill. Oh, I didn't know they had that either. Mm -hmm. uh, now, an injection only needed once every eight weeks could help mitigate the social stigma of HIV and, and prevent its spread. Officials at the, FDI at the FDA said the injection is a more realistic option for groups where taking a pill, a daily pill was more of a challenge. Issues such as poverty, depression, or other medical disorders, and sometimes just plain forgetfulness can make it hard to stick with medication on a daily basis. But what also makes the injection such a game changer is not just that it can be easy to adhere to, it's also more effective. Clinical trials show that apertude taken by cisgender men and transgender women who have uh, sex with men who have had sex with men had 69% nice, 69% less risk of getting infected with HIV. For cisgender women, they had 90% less risk. Uh, it's a significant step, not only for curbing the spread, but also in for in in the United States, but also in Africa, where one million of the 1.7 people who contracted HIV in 2019 where they live. Sorry, not yeah. So of the 1.7 million people in the world who contracted HIV in 2019, more than half, one million of those, live in Africa. 
Okay, great. Uh, one study on the med medication in sub-Saharan Africa conducted before the pandemic was considered so effective that researchers ended their trial earlier than anticipated. Nice. So that is great news. Um, here's a question um, mm. that I've always had, actually, that goes along with the, does hot water freeze faster? Which my dad gave me all these uh, vintage, um, like, science and mechanics books uh magazines from like the 1940s and 50s and one article was does hot water freeze faster than cold water <laughs> but this one is scientists show how cold weather makes you sick so just last week they discovered that lower temperatures weaken the nose's first line of immune defenses at body temperature the cells responded with sophisticated defense sending out warning signals to uninfected cells around them those cells prepared an arsenal of antiviral proteins, which they used to destroy rhinoviruses. But at the relatively cool 91.4 degrees Fahrenheit, they found that things changed. The neighboring cells only managed a weak defense, allowing the rhinoviruses to invade them and multiply. This result pointed to an explanation of why rhinoviruses plague humans at low temperatures. In cool conditions, the immune, the immune system somehow falters. So before this, we thought the association between winter and cold was because there is more people sharing the same space and we're all closer together and, and, and less spread apart. Um, mm. The study adds mm. biological evidence to this mix, revealing that cold weather actually hampers our defenses against infection. So mm. I guess it makes sense. I mean, when you think about even when you talk when it's really cold, how your mouth can't move as quickly and just when things get cold, they slow down. Right. So I guess that mm. makes sense too on a cellular level. Hmm. On uh, some science, other science news, uh, the James Webb Space Telescope launches and unfurls. I've been uh, watching this. as Oh, good, good. Yeah, because I haven't. Other things have been happening in my life that have prevent me from doing so almost the, anything. The James Webb Space Telescope is currently on a journey out to its uh, Lagrange Point 2 or the L2 point. And in the meantime, it has unfurled all of the things that it need to unfurl. If you think about it's, um, it's got a three layered, uh, like a mylar shield that is a heat shield that's about as big as a uh, tennis court. And then on, on the far side of that is all the instrumentation and series of mirrors. And it's got, uh, all of these, uh, this array of mirrors that point to the secondary mirror that go to a tertiary mirror that bounce into the sensors. And all of that has to uh, be compacted into the fairing uh, of the spaceship, you know, as of the top of a rocket as it blasts off with, you know, mega G forces being uh, put against it. And then out in space with no humans around, it needs to automatically unfurl all of these individual pieces. And the thing's more than a billion dollar uh, piece of equipment. You, uh, you just hope that all of these individual pieces work and they have, and they've all unfurled uh, perfectly. And so now it's going to be about four months of calibration. So each, uh, the, the big gold mirror is, uh, the largest space mirror, uh, light collecting telescope that's ever been, uh, launched. Each of those individually has to be tuned, uh, to point at the secondary mirror correctly. It's going to take about four months to do all of the calibrations. Uh, meanwhile, it's it's still headed towards its Lagrange point. So the Lagrange point is, uh, it's about a million miles away from Earth and uh, it's on the far side of the orbit of the moon, basically. Uh, and it's a stable orbit where it will stay uh, where earth is between it and the sun if you saw so the sun earth and then the, this lagrange point out out there in orbit and um it will stay there so that it can have a uh very consistently shielded uh blockage away from any noise coming from the earth and any heat coming from the sun uh because the uh, you know, as we had 
Dr. Ethan Siegel on on the show a couple months ago talking about this. It's primary focus is going to be at collecting infrared radiation and and measuring that well if you have any heat that's introduced into your sensor that will throw off all of your measurements so your your sensor is almost at absolute zero it's a, it's like a minus 200 kelvin or like 100 kelvin or whatever uh it's um really really cold and uh and so all the things are working and uh we'll continue to watch it it's awesome yeah it's 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 pretty exciting to and watch then, it unfurl totally and then um einstein has been proven right again study of extreme stars confirmed theory of general relativity and so basically uh as these uh pulsars are being measured um the the um laws that uh, the theories put in place by Einstein have been proved yet again. And uh, the really significant part of that is pulsars were not, um, uh, uh, you know, had not been discovered yet. And so a pulsar is a highly, highly dense magnetic uh, core that is, is basically a fallen, uh, fallen star that has uh, an incredible magnetic radiation and it's spinning and so it's shooting out this magnetic radiation like a lighthouse does and we see it as a flashing emitter of uh, high frequency radiation and uh, the measurements that they you know, it's like 44 times a second uh, you know and uh, and that's how fast the star is spinning. It's in so um, crazy. Yeah. And so they're only 15 miles across, but they have the have the amount of mass as our sun, which is like uh, more than a million times the size of the Earth. And so uh, it's it's that's the numbers are, are boggling. But go Einstein. Go Einstein. Yes. I did realize when I was putting, if, if people haven't had a chance to listen, I did put out another Mark joke compilation that I do at the end of every year. And I noticed that we were a little light on shows just in general last year and almost, I, I believe over half of them were all about space, which I oh, is pretty interesting. So yeah, there's, there was a bunch, so we'll continue on that. And so NASA also, sent out a craft that flew into the sun, I guess. <laughs> so the Parker Solar Space Probe, or the Parker Solar Probe, actually f flew through the corona in April during the spacecraft's eight, eighth, good grief, this sentence, the spacecraft's eighth close approach to the sun. What? Well, I'm going to skip that since I can't make heads or tails of it. Uh, it took a few months for that information to get back to us and confirm, but it was launched in 2018 and it was 8 million miles from the center of the sun when it first crossed the jagged, uneven boundary between the solar atmosphere and the outgoing solar wind. The spacecraft dipped in and out of the corona at least three times, each a smooth transition, uh, tearing along at more than 62 miles per second. The corona appeared dustier than expected because the sun, oh, because the sun lacks a solid surface, the corona is where the action is. Exploring this magnetically intense region up close can help scientists better understand solar outbursts or whatever. But yeah, the fact that we can fly things that close to the sun without them burning up is kind of ridiculous. I, I can't imagine, you know, uh, I... I've been soldering things all my life. <laughs> it seems like <laughs> since my teens. And um, I mean, how, what do you hold things, you know? And how do you make the thing, again, the, who creates the thing that can withstand that heat has to withstand the heat of the thing that it's creating. <laughs> right. It's too much. Uh, well, the good news is OJ Simpson is no longer on parole. On parole so... That was on his 2008 conviction related to the armed robbery of his own things in Las Vegas. So the long, strange trip uh, of OJ Simpson marches forward. 
Um, and this was another one that was attached to a video I did not watch, but it's basically the world's first stretchable and washable battery. So it's from University of British Columbia. It, it, they were kind of showing it and it does look like a little rectangle that is just like what a piece of rubber or, you know, what else would be. And it's just stretchy and waterproof and, and you can twist it and turn it. So it'll be interesting to see if that leads us down the problems that we're going to have in needing batteries for everything in the future. So. Oh, for sure. Um, in local Portland news, uh, the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry releases renderings of long-awaited OMSI district. On Wednesday, the OMSI and uh, OMSI shared updated <laughs> renderings of its plan showcasing swanky glass apartment buildings. Oh, good. Swanky apartments is exactly what Portland needs right now. Lively storefronts and communal green spaces covering 10 blocks of the inner east side. The project launched in 2008 was rece has received money from the city, metro, and the state to create a neighborhood district with a focus on climate and science. Oh, good. Uh, it includes 1,200 housing units, a waterfront education park focusing on indigenous heritage, mixed-use commercial and residential buildings, and new storefronts. Developers of the 1,200 new units of housing will set aside 20% of the dwellings for low-income Portlanders per city regulation. OMSI says the education park created with the input of indigenous groups during the planning process and which received three quarters of a million dollars from a Metro grant will include public green spaces, plazas, restored riverfront habitat, hands-on outdoor science programming and interpretation that affirms, sustains and shares indigenous ecological knowledge and cultural uh, connection to the river. So yeah, it also looks like that's a similar project to the one that they want to do by Willamette Falls, which they continue to knock down those cool old, oh, old no. buildings. Um, let's, oh yeah, okay. Oh, oh, and then the salmon flood, salmon flood <laughs> upper Clackamas River in largest run since 1958. According to numbers from the Portland General Electric, the number of adult early run coho salmon returned to the upper Clackamas from the ocean just hit 9,000 fish, the largest seen in the North Fork Dam, North Fork Dam since its construction at the start of data collection in 1958. Biologists at PGE uh, attributed the success seen through during this year's early run to infrastructure that allowed fish to easily bypass dams. In 2016, a new floating surface collector was completed in the North Fork Reservoir and captures more than 90% of ocean-bound juvenile fish in the reservoir. This reduced time frame allows coho to reach the lower Willamette River early in spring, where temperatures are cooler and predators are less active, which increases their odds of successfully reaching the ocean. And, so <laughs> and then half of a random sentence that I must have cut out long ago. <laughs> It's probably Camas. Oh, Clackamas. Clackamas, River maybe Basin, River Basin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's one of my tabs that did not age well. Lack of snow delays Oregon ski season. And now I believe Timberline has been closed to too much snow. Did you see, um, go go to the store right now and buy the People magazine that just hit the stands? It says, big headline, <laughs> Betty White turns 100. Oh, no. Is it? It's on the. It's oh, I'm on look, the stands right now. Oh my gosh! I should buy that for my, for my gas my gaslighting collection. No, no, no. She turned a hundred. Look, look. Says wow, so. they're selling it on eBay for like <laughs> hundreds of dollars. Oh really? That's it. so funny. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's a, a gift pack. I guess is what yeah. you get for a hundred dollars. All right. Well, supporters gear up to collect signatures on petition to decide the presidency, uh, the presidency by popular vote. The bipartisan effort led by Mark Brewer, former chair of the Michigan Democratic Party, and Saul Anuzis, former Michigan GOP chair, would have the state join an interstate compact to award members states' elect college votes to the winner of the popular vote. Voters could have a chance to weigh in. For over a decade, the legislature had repeatedly failed to pass bipartisan bills. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> the story of America, how to fail passing bipartisan bills. Um, 
that would have added Michigan to that uh, interstate compact and Republican lawmakers who previously backed the proposal are now opposing it. The electoral college has come under increased scrutiny in the last in the recent years for electing presidents who did not win the support of the majority of American voters. This would guarantee that whoever wins the presidency received the most votes. 15 states and Washington, D.C. had enacted legislation to join the compact, accounting for 195 of the 538 electoral votes. Michigan would add 15 to those votes, uh, 15 electoral votes. The compact doesn't go into effect until member states collectively account for a majority of electoral votes, at least 270. So kind of just like how you have to have those electoral votes to win the presidency, you also have to have that many electoral votes to change electoral voting. So GOP lawmakers wrote in their letter that abandoning the current system for electing presidents would mean Michigan would lose electoral influence. Oh, we're sorry, Michigan. And quote, large states like California and New York could impose their will on the rest of the country. That is just demonstrably not true, says Anusis. New York and California only make up about 18% of the population of our country. The interstate compact would ensure every voter's voice is given equal uh, weight, blah, blah, blah. Um, instead of focusing on new battle on a few battleground states, presidential candidates would also be forced to campaign for votes everywhere because the candidate who amasses the most votes would naturally win. Yes, because right now it's like you go to Ohio and you go to Florida and Michigan. Yeah. Uh, um, yep. So for all blah, 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 I still go back and forth about electoral college stuff, but right now the way we're using it is broken. What am I seeing on your screen? It looks like a fleshy. Oh, it's the, the light is now hitting your peach colored microphone and it looked like you had like a, a rubbery light that was like a mouth shape. <laughs> All right. Well, our final story, we have made it to the end. And that is our feel good story of the week. A surprisingly farting in a jar was not our feel good story of the week. Felt good to me. Yeah, ah, not to her. Uh, Baltimore and a couple bakery, uh, a Baltimore bakery team up to help stranded drivers. So desperation set down on Monday as hundreds of drivers, man, if you've seen any of these videos of the East coast, people being stuck on those roads for, oh, what a nightmare. Uh, as hundreds of drivers sat stranded along I-95. I haven't eaten in about 37 hours, said Casey. Uh, so she and her husband, John, were on their way to North Carolina when they got stuck and they had no food or drink. A truck parked in front of them with bags of, uh, that had bags of bread on the back, Casey and idea. We were just staring at the back of this bread truck and kind of laughing to each other about how nice it would have to be to have a loaf of bread. So they called Schmidt Bakery <laughs> and said, look, this is our situation. Can you help us? A few phone calls later and the seasoned truck driver, Ronald Hill, was given the okay to open his truck and start feeding the many hungry drivers. Within 10 minutes, we had armfuls of bread and we were just carrying them to as many cars as we possibly could. It's a bright spot on a dark day as drivers broke bread in the most unusual of places. Uh, people were just so thankful they needed it for their children and people in the car with them and their animals. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't look at it as being a hero. It's humanity. That's what I want to do. I want to give bread to people and be considered a hero. <laughs> totally. um, so uh, a little bit of good news at the end of all that. So Yay. we did it, Mark. We did it. All 15 pages of news. Welcome all... to 2022. Ah, that's pretty crazy. I haven't had to write it, that down yet or anything. And as mm. far as I know, time has stopped for the last two weeks <laughs> for me. Uh, so one day I hope to talk about it a little more. And the other two huge things going on in my life are all pending yep. and not happening. So I can't talk about those either. But it is very good to come back and do this. It is always a, a rejuvenation. It is like you are giving bread to me out of the back of a truck stuck on Highway 95. I'm not so. the hero you deserve. <laughs> You're the hero I have. <laughs>
Well, thank you to everyone listening for another uh, this last year and this upcoming year. This is a joy in in my life, and I enjoy doing it. And I like the little the little audience that we've built up around it. So, thanks everyone for listening. Listen to Fun Employment Radio. They had a really good show, and I'm going to steal their idea at some point. They visited the um, the Oregon City Elevator, okay. and there's a lot of great Oregon elevators. Uh, city elevator facts it is only one i'll give you one that i stole blatantly from their show four days ago it is only one of four municipally owned elevators in the world it and isn't it it's like the only elevator with like a street name it's its own street yeah Yeah. so (laughs) that's a guarantees for it some other time if you did not also listen to that episode of fun employment radio um so yeah, go check them out. Uh, Aaron Duran of Geek in the City posted some great news about a comic uh, that he wrote is going to be published and coming soon. He's been working on that deal for the last two years and it is finally coming out. David Walker, uh, our friend who is on Portland in the Movies with us, his uh, comic book Naomi that I've talked about many times, uh, yeah. which is coming out as a TV show, has its first trailer out and is getting some really, really good buzz. He nice. really likes it, which is great when a creator likes the thing that is made from him. So lots of great news with Portland-based creatives. So we will all make it through this next year, I say, with no proof at all. <laughs> so, That'd be awesome. Thank you for everyone. I'll take you out with something or other. We will talk to you guys later. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>